today we have a very special episode for you, another interview, which y'all will be seeing a lot more of in the coming month, mm-hmm. which I'm super excited about. Today we have Sherry Ficklin and Andrea Ems, who is the author of The Geek Girl Mysteries and the narrator of The Geek Girl Mysteries, book two and three. Yes. So, so far in The Geek Girl Mysteries series, we have Playing With Fire, We also have the second book is In Too Deep, and the third book is Digital Horizons. And the story follows a 16-year-old Ferris Barnett, who has a big role in the military. Her father is a commander in the armed forces, and kind of takes her to this location where she meets all these new people and new guys and friends. New guys is the prominent word. Yes, she does a lot of guys. She, well, she doesn't. She do doesn't them. do a lot of guys. It's yes. just, it's just like she meets them and then she's they like, like her because she's cool. She's cool, and then they, she likes them back, and yeah. it's just a lot of like yeah, yeah. love. Yeah, so she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they're relocated to the sunny North Carolina, mm-hmm. and she has to go through these conflicts that come up, but she's the only one that can solve them because she's a hacker. She's a genius hacker. Yes, and so the FBI calls on her. And all these people in her, in the military family kind of call on her to say, hey, help solve this this crime. Yeah. And it's a really good series. And you should definitely check it out. And Sherry and Andrea were amazing to listen to their stories of how they process and work together. Yes. And they were just so fun to talk to. Yeah, they really were. They were really, really fun. I think that we want to do duos all the time. Oh my gosh. It was our first duo interview. Yes. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So please enjoy and stick around to the end. Enjoy. Welcome to Audio Shelf. A place where we take you on a fantastic journey through our audiobook adventures. I'm Brad. And I'm Brittany. And we are the voices in your head. Hello. Hi. 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 Hi, Hi Sherry. Hi. <laughs> With her little cat cat headphones on. <laughs> With my kitty ears. Yeah. Love it so much. I want a pair now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for joining us today. We know that you guys are in different time zones. Yeah. So uh, where are you located? I'm in Colorado. Colorado. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm in California. Oh. All right. Nice. So we're in Maryland, so it's yeah. pretty far from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we wish that we were in Colorado and California. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to be here. Trust me. Winter came last week. It's been miserable. Oh, oh no. I love Like it's no five inches on Saturday. Oh, my God. Five I would inches. love that. Oh, my God. No, I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I grew up in... I grew up in Rhode Island, so I don't miss the snow at all. Mm. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I guess moving to California, that kind of negates the snow entirely. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I like to look at it, and I'm glad that it's cooler because it's not as hot in my booth. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. Sorry, Sherry. Come on over. I'm coming. I'm coming (laughs) to California because I don't like it here. I grew up on the coast, like of South Carolina, and Mm, I don't like the whole deserty, landlocked state, Colorado snow thing we have going on. <laughs> Not a fan. Yeah. So, what took you to Colorado? My husband grew up here, and so he was in the military when he retired. He was like, "I want to go live by my parents," and my parents are kind of nomadic; they just live everywhere. So, I didn't really have like an alternate suggestion. It's like, all right, I guess, <laughs> 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 whatever. 
you say military. So I guess that's the uh, kind of inspiration for the Geek Girl Mysteries. It was. I grew up a military brat. My dad was in the Marine Corps growing up. And then he was always like, there's nothing you can do in life to disappoint me as long as you don't marry a Marine. So I did. (laughs) (laughs) Semper Fi. Take that, Dad. That's right. Semper Fi. So, so same question for Andrea. What took you to California? Um, well, after high school, I left Rhode Island to go to Florida, which is actually where I was born. And my dad lives there and I wanted to be closer to him. And I, so I went to college there and I ended up getting into the entertainment industry down there in Orlando. And then in 2001, I was like, OK, if I'm going to do the whole acting thing, I'm either going to go to California or New York. Sun or snow. California. (laughs) Perfect. I like how the weather is a factor for like every part of. (laughs) So we're going back to Sherry. So what made you want to be a writer? Have you always wanted to be a writer? No, I wanted to get paid to read books, but apparently that's not an actual thing. So wait a second. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Sherry. (laughs) I hold up a minute. I literally. I literally get paid to read books. <laughs> she, she got paid to read your book, Sherry. <laughs> she did. But out loud, and that's different. Like, I just want to hide under a blanket with a pizza right. and, and read yes. sure. 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 Okay, true. So, okay. So, and I think that's why I've gotten into acquisitions for a couple of publishing houses, too, is because I really like reading uh, as much, if not more, than I like writing. Writing is sort of a secondary for me. I'm a control freak, so I love taking, like, I used to write fan fiction. Mm-hmm. I love taking books that I've already read and, like, rewriting them or writing new characters mm-hmm. or something like that. And my husband one day was just like, why don't you write something you could actually sell? And I was like, yeah, I should totally do that. Like, it was easy. Like, I had no idea what I was in for. <laughs> what yeah. kind of uh, fan fiction did you write? Okay, I wrote Harry Potter fan fiction. I'm not going to lie. Oh, that's perfect. I mean, yes. yeah. Andrea has the Hermione portrait. <laughs> I know. I'm like, can you send it to me? I'd love to read it. I could if you were interested. I think I still have some somewhere. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. yeah. Fan fiction is always like my favorite thing to read because it takes parts of the people that I love and then puts them in different situations that they wouldn't normally be Mm -hmm. filmed in. Yeah, it's a great learning for authors. You know, it's a great sandbox to sort of discover your voice into. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, Andrea, how did you get into, I know you moved out to California to act, but was narrating always your kind of passion or how did you get into the business? No, I I wish I learned about it or thought to get into it a lot longer, uh, long ago. Um, For me, mostly I was um, doing stage. I did some film and TV, but it was most, it's mostly been the stage. I was a singer dancer type. Uh, doing musical theaters or the theme shows. I was in Vegas in a girl group. But, oh, my um, gosh. Oh my God. I actually love girl it was, groups. <laughs> it was actually a lot of fun. They were great. It was fun. I loved it. But, you know, I, I, I had, I've done a lot of voiceovers, commercials and animations and video games and stuff. And, and narration is definitely, obviously, a form of voiceover. But it's a completely different technique and style. Um, for me... I didn't get into it until about three years ago, a little over three years ago. In 06, I got injured doing a stunt show, had to retire from performing, went through a whole thing, went back to college, actually, and got a a degree in game art and design, was a video game designer for a while at Disney, which was awesome. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, it was fun. Um, But then got laid off, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck am I going to do? And uh, my husband's like, why don't you get your voiceover stuff back up and 
why don't you look into audiobooks? Because he's an avid audiobook listener. I'm like, that's a great idea. <laughs> so I owe this all to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounded like he like built you a booth or like was building you a booth. So he is completely invested in it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, this beautiful thing <laughs> did not come for a while. I started off as most narrators do in our closet in similar kind of a thing that you've got going on that mm-hmm. I can see with your... Yeah. A creepy basement. Yeah. A creepy basement. Um, <laughs> but much more cramped. Luckily, I'm a small woman, so it's not as, as problematic. Um, <clears throat> but then after a while, when I could, you know, actually do more and afford more, I got in touch with one of the best, you know, booth, audio booth creators in at least L.A., uh, Scott Peterson. And he does Scott Vio's booths all over the place. So I had my first booth, but then a bunch of stuff happened. And now I have this booth, which I love, that he built, but then my husband and like four other strong men <laughs> put together, which was an, yeah. a nightmare, but so well worth it. And yes, my husband is the most supportive thing in the world. So yeah, I'm grateful. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So um, go- going back to the girl group really quick. <laughs> Was it, <laughs> was it kind of like put together or, or were you friends? No, I actually um, got involved because a friend of mine used to be in it and then she had to bow out for a certain reason for this one show. So I actually auditioned over the phone, um, the first audition and sang, I don't even remember what I sang over the phone. And then they're like, okay, great. Can you come in? And then I had to learn the whole show in like a weekend and then do the show. And then later my friend left the group. And so that I was asked to take her place. And then for the next few, few years, we had a blast and we toured all over LA and Vegas and, and Laughlin, Nevada. It was, it was a great experience. It was a, it was a lot of hard work and hotels and, and stuff like that. But yeah, wow, that's, that's so really cool. cool. And like, <laughs> it's please, such a please unique... tell me you were like a Spice Girl tribute group. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's funny is we actually did um, music from, when did the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy come out? From like, was it the, the, the 40s? 40s, the, I think, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, 1940s, from the 40s to the music of today. And then, especially when we hit Vegas, we kind of fine-tuned it. We were more 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Mm-hmm. So we didn't do any original. It was, it was all covers. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like an amazing niche to get into, too, yeah. just doing that uh that portion of time songs and just mm-hmm. having a different generation for each one. When when you said um, Boogie Woogie Bugle, Bugle Boy. Boy, we immediately thought of Bette Midler and we we're obsessed yeah. with Bette Midler. So we were like, oh, my God, <laughs> we know that music. <laughs> and she's an icon legend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So going back to the Geek Girl Mysteries, did you guys know each other beforehand or was this kind of like a working relationship? How, how did you kind of get to know each other as you are now? Um, we didn't meet beforehand. I had put it up on Audible for auditions and uh, we had on, gotten some... On ACX.com, not Audible. Oh, I'm sorry, on ACX, yes. So we, we met through ACX. I, um, I had had the first book done with another narrator who had to step back for scheduling reasons. And I was really disappointed and I was afraid I was never going to find someone that I liked again to do this book because the odds are just astronomical that you're ever going to find someone that you like to actually narrate a book. And, um, and Andrea came in and she just, I mean, she blew it out of the park. It was ridiculous. I was actually kind of kicking myself that I didn't find her sooner, but she was fabulous. And we actually got to meet up in New York. I was up there for DEA and she was up there for the audiobook awards and we got to meet up and it was fabulous. We just clicked right away. So 
I that's mean, really yeah. cool. Totally kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's it was fun. Amazing. Yeah, because we don't, um, usually we hear where, you know, they don't know each other and they've never met. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really awesome that you guys have been able to, I don't know, build a friendship, really. Yeah, it's it's been really nice. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a neat um, dynamic with the way things work, especially on the indie level um, versus the publisher level. Because usually when you're working with a publisher, it's you have no contact whatsoever. If you have any questions, you reach out to the publisher and they're always fantastic about, okay, well, here's, let me go ask the author or whatever. And I love it. So it's you and the publisher. But with the indie kind of uh, self-published uh, or smaller publishing houses, you have a little bit opportunity to get a stronger connection, which is, is, it can be a lot of fun and nice. And yeah, and Sherry and I just hit it off. I think we have a lot of same sense of humor and stuff. And when I went to the audiobook uh, conference slash awards that coupled with BEA, the book expo, which I also went to on the last day. I got a billion free books. It was crazy. <laughs> you do. Holy cow. Um, it was, it was, I had no idea she was going to be there. So it was just a serendipitous, awesome moment. And we hung out and got to uh, take pictures and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It's really cool. Yeah. So for, for recording, um, at least the, the Geek Girl Mysteries, if not all of um, your books, Andrea, what is your process for recording? For me, the audiobook process, recording and everything starts with me reading the book, of course. So I'm reading the book and I have my laptop open with a big spreadsheet so I can put all the characters' names in there, where I found them first, like chapter and timestamp it so I can remember, oh, this is where I first did the voice. So if I have to come back, especially in a series, you know, I'm like, oh, what, what was her voice like again? Oh, yeah, right. Chapter two at the timestamp marker of 2.30, listen, okay, great, I got it, and go back in. And then I also make character notes. And then I have it on my iPad with a bunch of squiggles and highlights and notes that I have. And then I'll approach whomever my point of contact is, which in this case, Sherry, to be like, okay, the book was awesome. I have a bunch of questions. Let's discuss everything under the moon that you want to and we can. Um, because after I start recording, I am the director. <laughs> you know, so I want to make sure I have all of the tools necessary right. from the author outside of just the source material so that I can give it as close to what they're hearing in their head as I can and then elevate it, hopefully, with my interpretation. So and usually I ask for a character sheet. Um, I know for sure. I'm like, hey, what are the most important characters that really are important that like, okay, listen, this person has to have a Southern accent or this person, I really, really want to be a little bit extra jerky because don't, you know, subtext later on in book two, there's a whatever, whatever. So that kind of a stuff helps for me. And then when I get into the studio, I have my iPad open, my spreadsheet open on the split screen with my, mm -hmm. you know, software. And then I just start recording and there's, you know, belching involved or messes, messing up or having to stop and go or my cat scratching at the door wanting to get in. So it's, you know, but, uh, but it's fun. And, but it's just me in a padded cell chatting <laughs> with my microphone and I, I couldn't be happier. It's fun. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. And, and going back to the characters for, for Sherry, at least, was it hard for you to have someone come in and like make the characters your own that you have written and spent time with? Uh, no, it wasn't bad. I don't tend to get the, the voice isn't bad for me as far as when I hear auditions and stuff. The big thing for me is cadence, sort of the way the characters are talking. 
And Andrea mm-hmm. had that nailed, I mean, right away. So from the audition, I knew going in that she was going to be great. She was going to have it down. I think the hardest thing is when you hear something that's very monotone or it's very flat, even when they're using different voices, it doesn't sound like someone actually talking or the way someone would actually think. Mm-hmm. So it was great for me to have Andrea step in and really just kind of take those characters and give them life. And that's really the only goal I have for audiobook listeners is that they can hear it the way it's meant to be heard, I think. And Andrea nailed it. So it was great. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And Andrea, was it hard for you knowing that there was another narrator in book one? Did you kind of, were you nervous to take over those those voices and those character? Yeah, no, that's a, they, that's a perfect question. It's actually something we deal with a lot, right? Because, uh-huh. uh, you know, I've done started series that unfortunately I couldn't continue with as a narrator or or I've come in and picked up you know book two or book three or god you know help you book six it just so many different factors come in so yeah it's it's a lot of responsibility because even as just for pleasure as a listener I don't like the narrator switch you know it can be jarring sometimes or sometimes you're like, oh, thank God, you know, the first one was good, but this one's wow. Or the you're like, oh, man, I missed the first one. So there's a, and the, you know, the rest are like, I love the story, but uh, on the narrator. So it's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. <laughs> to perform yeah. And, yeah. and to succeed. And so you want to do your best, you know. Um, so for me, it's important that we don't act as mimics. You know what I'm saying? Right. As, as a great job as the other narrator narrator did on Playing With Fire, and I thought she did a great job, I didn't listen to the whole book because I don't have the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, but even so, like I listened to her sample, I understood her cadence, so I'd have an idea of what Sherry was kind of looking for besides my personal take on the character and how I felt right. it yeah. should, should be paced. I don't try to match the way the other person narrated. Mm-hmm. I try to be as close to what I feel the interpretation of the truth of what the book needs, especially coupled with the conversations with the, the, the authors as best I can. Cause otherwise I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm it's going to suck because I'm going to be too in my head, <laughs> mm-hmm. you right. know? And then you just kind of hope for the best, you know, the, the best reward and, um, compliment you a narrator in my opinion can ever get that I can ever get is if someone's listening they completely forget about the narration because they're so sucked into the story yeah so I I could care less if I get accolades because in that case that's like the best compliment does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah oh 100% yeah I think that the difference between playing with fire and the the second novel was just there wasn't much that we noticed I mean we noticed that it was a different narrator because obviously you read your name at the very beginning. But like <laughs> just jumping into it, it was just smooth and kept the characters going and, and kept the growth there. Mm-hmm. Good. So, Andre, who inspires your voices? I know a lot of narrators that we've talked to take from different parts of their lives and they'll overhear a conversation at a restaurant and say, I need to have that voice. What's your inspiration for the voices that you use? I don't have a new sexy answer for you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's that. Yeah, it, that's definitely a part of it. Um, I, I cast my voices from family members, from friends I know, other people I've heard and other audiobooks. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a great voice. I want to remember that, make it my own and, and use it. My biggest thing is as long as it's not cartoony and pedantic and over the top cartoonish. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, because like Sherry was saying, you got to have it's got to be genuine. It's got to sound like these are real people and not, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, you know, 
um, I get all Mickey Mouse on it or something. (laughs) Sometimes, too, the authors will cast their characters and do like, uh, what do you call it, Sherry, when when you do a, a, with with celebrities and you're like, what, isn't there a special like. Oh, I. Oh, I just like my vision board. Where I have, vision, yeah. yeah, vision board. Well, I have a vision board. Like, okay, I envision Ferris to be kind of like Rachel McAdams or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not that she is, but, you know, or, you know, Oliver to be sort of like Ryan Gosling, but have, you know, someone's Cole more like, you know, as their heads. And sometimes, like, I'll take that if they give that to me and go, oh, okay, that's interesting. Now, I'm not going to try to mimic Rachel McAdams mm-hmm. or Reese Witherspoon because there's just no way. I'm not an impersonationist impression it whatever i can't conjugate but um that's why i'm not a writer (laughs) um i love that uh, but at least get the essence and uh, you know if if you've got someone like let's say amy schumer who has a very special cadence to her delivery i would focus on that and not her voice Mm. does that make sense yeah 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 definitely yeah when you um, borrow a voice from like a family member, do you tell them that they are the inspiration? <laughs> no, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no, I especially don't. if it's a horrible voice, you're like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I, I don't. <laughs> that could be that could be fun at Christmas. You can be like, here's this book. You were the inspiration for it. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then they're like. Why am I the jerk? <laughs> no, I just, no reason. I just thought your voice, um, turkey looks good. Yeah. You're like, that wasn't the jerk character. That was the hero. Uh, let's go over here and talk about this. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and you know what? It's funny, too, because I, I don't do an, an exact impression of my family members either. So I'll still only take like an essence or an attitude or a personality quirk to it. But I think really the only people in my family who listen to my audiobooks right now are my, is my mom. So I'm okay. So I'm good. Yeah. That's the biggest fan. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. So Sherry, when you are writing, um, do you see yourself in the characters at all? Do you, uh, what's your process for them? Um, I think, I think a lot of times when I start a character, they kind of start out with pieces of me or pieces of my personality, and then they really evolve on their own from there. It's, uh, it's always interesting for me to see characters, characters like Ferris, who kind of started out sort of based on, on me and my life at that age, and how she evolved and really reacts to things quite differently than I would in a similar situation, and really became like a full-fledged, her own person, her own character, and part of that is the interaction of the characters around them in the book. And I do a, a lot of times use people that I know or people that I've had interactions with as foundations of characters, but they tend to not necessarily mimic that person completely. So, you know, when I when you look at characters in the books, they may be an amalgamation of three or four people that I actually know that I've kind of condensed personality-wise into the core of a character. And so that's always fun for me to, you know, put these people that on one level that I know and then get to know them as they change and grow throughout the story. Right. That's always fun for me. So it's kind of like the same thing that Andrea goes through is you kind of use your family members. It's very similar. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's really similar. cool. That's that's a nice thread of the similarities between narration and, and writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So what are your favorite genres to write? I know that we have this kind of mystery series with the geek girl. Yeah. And it's, it's a little actually off genre for me, my poor agent. Uh, I really like <laughs> historical fiction. 
So okay. I only have a very few contemporaries. I tend to do more historical based stuff, but I like the contemporaries. They're nice. You know, I'll get done with something really historical and I'll just need to sort of devolve into something much more contemporary that I'm much more familiar with. That I can just, mm-hmm. you know, a toaster is a toaster and I don't have to describe things that people aren't familiar with. It makes it a lot easier. So on one hand, I think it's a little more fun to write and it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't come with sort of as much stress about, you know, the research and the details that you get with historical sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's my palate cleanser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's when, really nice. When you say historical, are you referencing maybe like glitter and gold? Yeah, I love glitter. I love the 1920s and doing the third book in that series right now, which is like 1929, 1930 in Las Vegas. So I'm, I'm still back into sort of the the historical and the research mode, which is fun. But I, I now at the point where I'm like, I have got to do another geek girl book when I'm done with this because I need <laughs> some here and now before my brain melts. Yeah, yes, exactly. We need more Ferris. <laughs> Definitely. We're actually going to do an episode on glitter and gold in December. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. So we're so excited. That'll be, be some more Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And so what about you, Andrea? What, what are your favorite genres to narrate? Well, personally, I do. I, I, re, I have an eclectic kind of personal love of, of reading. Like right now, I'm rereading it. Um, I know, right? That's one but, of my favorites. I know, right? <laughs> but um, but I, I, I do personally, I do a lot of young adult uh, narration. But I do, I love reading them just personally. I mean, Hunger Games, come on. So, or Harry Potter. But I also am really into lit RPG, which is, you know, literary role-playing game uh, mm-hmm. games based in the, you know, sci-fi genre, uh, like Ready Player One, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I have, I've been a gamer geek forever, and I used to write for magazines and stuff like that, and then being a game designer. So it's kind of fun to be able to take just my geeky knowledge and infuse that into that world as well. So I've I've done my first lit RPG just finished Conquest, uh, and the author's listening to it now. So I, I hope to do more of that. I, I just I just I, yeah I, I enjoy it very much. It's fun. Yeah. Are you excited for the Ready Player One movie? I am, and I'm very nervous. Mm-hmm. Not gonna yeah, lie. That's the thing. The trailer the trailer included a lot of things that weren't in the book. So yeah, I'm concerned. And fun fact, I even, when I was writing for ForbiddenPanel.com, I interviewed Ernest Klein, Ernie Klein, about Ready Player One, the book. Oh, that's amazing. I know, right? But um, that was me, my head exploding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it was amazing, but that was like several years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I'm still going to go see it, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. but I'm a little nervous. Uh, you know what though? But there's so many times, and this is just from understanding how the entertainment industry works. Not a lot of things can translate well, or you don't have enough time to bring in, or the production studios, uh, take a little bit of liberty. And sometimes that can elevate the film, even though it's not hundred percent canon to the mm-hmm. book. I mean, don't get me started mm-hmm. on dark tower though. Cause that was not good. <laughs> but I, I'm hopeful that Ready Player One will be will be solid, if not like amazing. You know, because I I'm an yeah. '80s '90s kid, so that whole world was like reading that book was like my childhood. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, um, exactly. So I'm still excited for it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am like you, very hesitant about it. <laughs> hmm. Unlike, I mean, when we did an episode on Ready Player One, I am not into the role playing kind of gaming books and so i actually thought it was based off a real story (laughs) so i was like is this kind of like some 
you know, computer story. And yeah. Brittany was like, okay, we have a lot to teach you. That's so cute. <laughs> so It was adorable. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean that condescendingly, but that is adorable. No, it's okay. <laughs> I usually mean it condescendingly. Yeah. Okay, but you two have the rapport. I'm brand new. So I love you, man. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, out of... Uh, Sherry's books out of the Into Deep and the D- Digital Horizon. Which one has been your favorite to record? Digital Horizon for sure. Um, mm. I, I loved um, the for Into Deep. It was great, especially for me, really starting to get to know Ferris and her backstory and stuff going on with her dad and and even the whole mm. Oliver Cole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, was a really great way for me to dig deep into who she was and to, and to go through the waves of what she went through emotionally and, and the mental problems and just the whole, the whole crazy amazingness that, that she was going through. Mm-hmm. But with Digital Horizons, for me, I felt like she had arrived into who she was a little bit more. And it was easier for me to kind of just dig into the snark a little bit more as well because she was more confident. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fun for me. And plus, there was much more action. She did more, yeah. you know, and, and I, I loved that. But, you know, Ferris is one of my favorite characters to have who have been a part of uh, to narrate because she's such a strong young woman. Mm-hmm. And I think in Digital Horizon, you really start to see that more. And I look forward to see where she goes even further in the next one. So, yeah, Digital Horizon was fun yeah that's mm-hmm. awesome sherry did you have more fun writing which of the which of the three i think probably digital horizon was my favorite to write too just because if the book series started with book one as she's kind of a very naive character almost going into the series and she's still very young and she's still very unsure and hesitant and so it's a much simpler book i think that as we get older in her life it's more complicated things get harder for her and I love, it sounds terrible, I love torturing my characters. I love putting them in really difficult situations and, and, and watching them, you know, scramble to get out and see how those choices affect them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the end mm-hmm. of the second book. <laughs> my <Yeah>. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brittany, like, called me crying and she was like, <laughs> you didn't tell me the father, you know? And, <laughs> you know, I was like, I... Uh, Sorry, I, I can't. <laughs> so we had a whole seminar about it. Like <laughs> we had an emotional evening. <laughs> had a Tell me about wine. it. I'm ugly crying in the booth, and I'm the one that has to put it out and be professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was hard. Uh, it was just. It was beautifully written too, just with the the clicks and the. Oh God, it was it was really great, and just mm-hmm. how it ended before the entire breakdown happened, just so that. As the as the listener, we didn't have to experience all of that and bring up every single last emotion that we had. Yeah. <laughs> but it was perfect. It was the perfect amount. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Who are your favorite characters? Oh, uh, you guys are gonna be so mad. I really like. I really like Cole. I really love Ferris. Ferris is my favorite. Uh, I like Derek. Derek's fun, and he doesn't get nearly enough yeah. credit. He's one of my favorites too. I like Derek, too, actually. He's fun. He is. Yeah, he's just kind of like the cool, like, he just is there. And he gets to experience everything, but not be just in the middle of it. Yes. 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 I really loved Oliver. I know. So I was so sad. I liked Ollie, too. Everybody loved him. He was a likable guy. <laughs> I, I actually think there's something I was telling Brittany about this today. I think there's something with the way you write male characters 
that except for you know read <laughs> there there's this uh, you have this ability to make them all very likable yeah and sometimes with ferris i love ferris but sometimes i'm like ah, i disagree with you and the choices that you're making but all the men in your your stories are like perfect i feel like yeah and we all have we have crushes on all of them yes which is nice well and i gotta say reed does have a little moment though come on he, in digital yes. horizon come on oh, i love i loved yes but he made okay, me feel like, is, is this spoiler free or? Because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I got to be careful. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we, we aren't doing any episodes on the books, so. Oh, well, there you go. There we go. Well, there you go. Okay. Spoilers yeah. away. Yeah. Spoilers <laughs> away. Spoilers away. So like when the dinosaur showed up, I just <laughs> lost it. <laughs> Crazy. Where did that UFO come from? Sherry really likes historical fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Gracious. No, I, I, you know, Rita's one of those characters that's kind of, like, really damaged. And Mm -hmm. his damage causes damage to a lot of other people. And, you know, we all sort of have those people in our lives that are kind of toxic, but also kind of feel bad for so that, you, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. kind of his oh, yeah. character to me more than anything. And we'll definitely see more of him coming forward because of, you know, the revelations that happened at the end of Digital Horizon. He gets a much bigger part in the next book. Um, and and maybe a little bit of character redemption, but don't expect too much from me. Okay. <laughs> He's not okay. a good person. <laughs> <laughs> at least we know not to go in expecting much from him. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... A, a villain should stay a villain sometimes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would feel weird having the Green Goblin just suddenly making pancakes. <laughs> right. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? You're like, all of a sudden, you know, no, 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 no. I've joined the, you know, Avengers. We're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, man. No. That's not okay. Pass the sugar. I'm sorry. You don't get to slaughter younglings at the Jedi Temple and go to Jedi Heaven. That doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Sherry, you have made some major changes between each book, especially the first and the second one. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us why you felt the changes needed to happen, specifically why Oliver had to leave? <laughs> Man. <laughs> so sorry that you guys love Oliver. He's a great character. Um, the, the biggest thing is, having grown up as a military kid, I think that one of the underlying things that really sort of makes up a lot of your personality as you get older is the fact that there's no such thing as permanence. Nobody is ever permanent in your life. Nothing is ever solid. You know, you so you sort of find these people and you, you try to make them, you know, your solid ground, but they always leave. And as depressing as that sounds, it's sort of you develop these weird coping mechanisms. And I, I didn't want to put out, oh, you know, she met for love of her life when she was 16 and everything was great. And he never left because that's not the reality of the life of a military kid. You're constantly going. I don't think we lived in the same city for more than a year at a time at the most. So, you know, I, on one hand, you're like, oh, yeah, I have friends everywhere. But on the other hand, it's like we're not actually close friends because I knew them for like nine months. Hmm. So it's really difficult to develop any kind of lasting relationships. So I knew going in that it wasn't going to be like, I think there are always going to be friends. There's always going to be a presence in her life, but it's not going to be a foundational character for her. Right. And I think that's the same with, with her father and even with Cole going into the later books is that 
every time she starts to feel like she's building a foundation, we kind of rip it out from under her because that's just the reality of that kind of life. That's really interesting because neither one of us are from military families. So it kind of gave us a, a small, very small taste of what it's like. Because I feel like we went through the emotions and we went through those emotions horribly. <laughs> so we didn't have the coping hard. mechanisms. <laughs> and you sort of desensitize to it. You sort of get to the point where you expect people to leave, which mm-hmm. leaves you all kind of emotional issues going into adulthood, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really easy for military kids to you know, have codependency issues and to have you know, weird you know, stress relief tendencies that aren't really healthy. Mm-hmm. I knew a lot of kids growing up that were like it sounds terrible, but it would like vandalize things or have these acting out moments oh, because yeah. they were trying to, you know, not necessarily get attention, but in some way, you know, draw people to them mm-hmm. right? in hopes that they would stick around. It was hard. It's hard. Mm. Yeah. So are you touching on Ferris's borderline traits? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Bradley. <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Um, so mental health was a big aspect of the series. So yeah. why did you choose to kind of include those pretty heavy diagnoses, you know, for our teens? Well, you know, I think it's uh, it's so unrealistic to, to think, oh, yeah, I'm a teenager and everyone around me is mentally healthy. That's uh, that's wildly not the case. And as adults, we tend to overlook that. Mm-hmm. We tend to write, especially teenagers, off as, oh, he's emotional, oh, he's a teenager, oh, he's flighty or whatever, mm-hmm. when really there's actually underlying psychological issues. So I really wanted to sort of draw a little bit of attention to that in a way that also didn't stigmatize it. You know, even though that's something that Ollie was dealing with and his family was dealing with, it wasn't a defining, I think, characteristic of his. It was just sort of this piece of him that he was afraid to let people know about. And that's something mm-hmm. that I really wanted to understand. It's it's not the end of the world if you're dealing with things like that. People are still going to love you and they're still going to care about you. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then Ferris, you know, her diagnosed personality disorder. Uh, I'm really actually glad that you picked up on that because most people don't. Again, most people are like, she makes terrible decisions. She <laughs> makes very self-destructive decisions because she has this kind of... Um, She's very rudderless, you know, in life. She, as a military kid growing up, I, I, my dad was gone, you know, nine, ten months out of the year. And then, but I had my mom. So initially when I started the character, I was like, she can't have that anchor to sort of tie her down. Because I feel like it's like adding a mom to a Disney movie. Suddenly they don't make bad decisions. They don't do stupid things. <laughs> so if this movie just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, just like it's a crush in your mom. That's sort of why initially uh, Ferris didn't have her mom anymore. Because I wanted her to have this very, you know, uh, upending life where things were constantly mm-hmm. flux and constantly changing. And she sort of really felt the only person she could rely on was her dad. And then that away also. <laughs> yeah. I will say that, you know, a lot of the young adult novels that we read, I feel as if some writers kind of just throw in diagnoses just kind of whenever they want. And I really enjoyed this series because I felt like you kind of just left little seeds throughout the whole series saying, yeah, this is something that this character is is experiencing. Yeah, we label it. But I really love how you just like eloquently laid the framework for mental health. And I appreciate oh, that. Thank, thank you. you. I'm, I'm glad that you appreciated it. <laughs> Cause it, it's one of those things that kind of gets glossed over, especially by adult readers. Mm-hmm. So I, I always hope yeah. that, you know, 
somebody's picking up on it and somebody's sort of, you know, getting it because it is subtle. I try to be pretty subtle about it. So oh, yeah. Except for yeah. the, the therapist. The panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> so for both of you, do, um, do you both listen to audiobooks on the regular or, um, uh, is it more so physical books that you read? And, and if so, what do you look for in an audiobook that you're listening to? I wish I had more time to listen to more audiobooks. I have probably like 25 in my queue waiting and I keep adding, oh my God, I got to put that in. Cause I want to, I want to read, I want to listen to that. And I love them just personally, not just professionally. I mean, I know when I, especially when I first started, I was listening to them all, as many as I could to hear how, you know, the best of the best was actually doing it. What was working, what made sense, what was genuine, what was real, how to, you know, and first my male voices sucked. So I had to work on those a lot. And so I would listen to a lot of really well-known female narrators who did amazing male voices and worked on that. And then just personally, I, do, I, I, I don't get to listen to them as much as I, as I could. I'm listening to The Gunslinger right now. Jim Butcher, Dresden Files, Jay Marston, you better stop because yes. he's everything. Yes. Um, which is so interesting, though, too, because the very first uh, audiobook of the Dresden Files, uh, which I cannot wait for the next book to come out, <laughs> it's, it's, it, the acting's fantastic, but you can hear page turns, you can hear coughs and mouth noises and the chair swivel, and, which is like such oh. a taboo. But mm-hmm. life, yeah. times were different way back then, I guess. I don't know, but I know since then it's been great, but it's fascinating. Because uh, we work really hard to punch that out and to get make sure mm-hmm. that it's as right. clean as we can. Um, but then, you know, I'm constantly reading for work because I'm constantly book prepping. But at the same time, I also have like 30 or 40 ebooks on my list. And then I've got like 60 books from BEA that I've got to figure out when I'm going to find time. So, yeah, I'm constantly reading. I think the most books I ever read, like physically read in one week was 12. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. In, one, in one week? In one week. Ugh. But I was also uh, invalid and not well, so oh. I was insomniac, so I had time. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm not that superpower, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> what about you, Sherry? Um, I love audiobooks. I'm about 50-50 audiobooks in print. I don't do a lot of e-books just because I don't like... No, I'm like, if I'm going to read a book, I like physical books. But uh, nothing against e-books. I do a lot of audiobooks, especially for my book club. So I'm in a YA book club and every month, whatever our book selection is, I'll do that on audio just because, you know, you can listen to it while you're doing the dishes or while you're, you know, cleaning up or doing something else, which is really nice for me. And because I do like hearing, there are some books that are just better on audio. For my book club, we did The Diviners by Libba Bray, I don't know, like six months ago. And uh, I started the book and I just couldn't get into it. And I was having a really hard time. So I picked it up on audio and I figured I could just listen to it and, and get the gist. And the narrator was so amazing. Like, I hate prologues, but just the prologue, I was like shaking. It was so good. I was like, this is amazing. So now I'll almost always at least go listen to the samples before I buy a book to see if it's something that I'd rather have on audio. Just because, I mean, sometimes they're so mm-hmm. much better. Yeah. Well, yay! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, it's yay for us too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if you could be any book character you wanted to be, who would you choose? From any book. From any book ever? Mm, From any any book book or series. That is so hard. Like part of me is like Harry Potter because magic, Mm. which I would 100% abuse. (laughs) Right? I think we all would. Slytherin, I guess. 
<laughs> completely mm-hmm. Slytherin. Uh, oh, like our Slytherin boys. <laughs> uh, you know, I really like the Jazz Parks books, which are like actually like an adult um, uh, series. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm super into that. So that right now, that's probably it's one of those things. So probably Jazz, mm-hmm. probably Jazz Parks. <laughs> right. And what about you, Andrea? You know, <laughs> okay, obligatory. That's a hard question. Oh, my God. But it really is because there's so yeah. many great books out there. I, mm-hmm. I kind of have two answers in there. Sort of, kind of polar opposites, sort of. Okay. One of my favorite books and movies of all time ever on the planet, ever, 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 is The Princess Bride by William Goldman. And the book. I have the book on my shelf. And uh, I would love to be Buttercup. Oh, my God. She's so amazing. She's so strong. And I mean, I love how she kind of teases out Wesley in the beginning and, you know, fun boy, fetch me that, fetch me that picture. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, I, I control you or whatever. You know, there are flirty ways, but she's so loyal. But she's also really sassy and brassy and, you know, doesn't let Humberton give her any crap or whatever. And I mean, you've got adventure and pirates and rodents of unusual size and giants and like Vizzini. I mean, come on, that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. But then... Yeah. I'd kind of like to be Katniss uh, Everdeen mm. from The Hunger Games, as emotionally re- wretched as experiences she goes through. It's pretty amazing. Talk about internal fortitude and the, the stuff that she overcomes. I don't want to be her because I want to kill a bunch of people and I want my, mm. you know, my family to die and that stuff. But yeah. just the the kind of mental strength that she learns and, and grows in and just as who she became is really admirable and fighting mm-hmm. for the purpose. And if you look at it in, not in just like the the death matches that happened in the book, but just in, in an allegorical kind of life kind of a manner, because you're constantly getting thrown this gauntlet of crazy crap that happens in your life that you have to overcome. And then sometimes it can be a do or die situation, even if it doesn't necessarily mean fatal, like you're going to literally die. And how she overcomes that, I think is just genius. Those are very good answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for a hard question, you both did phenomenally. A plus. <laughs> so that concludes our interview. And so we want to thank you so much for be, you know, being a part of our show and, and taking the time out of your busy schedules to kind of talk to us. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we do have one favor that we usually ask all of our guests. Um, and that is to kind of just... And Andrea, you can do this in a voice of yours that <laughs> you perform in. Um, that you love. That you love. Saying, you know, thank you for listening to Audio Shelf. And then Sherry, of course, you can you can try a voice if you want to yeah. do some narration. Oh, yeah. No, my voice is terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> you literally want me to do this in a voice? If yeah, you, if you if want you to. Lo- yes. All right. That would be wonderful. All right, Sherry, go first. I got to think about it. Thank you for listening to Audio Shelf. Oh, that's that was adorable. So happy. I love it. Yay! It's just me. It's just my voice. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your voice is amazing. Though. Yes. It's adorable. Thank you. <laughs> okay, since hers was all like bubbly and yummy and fun. Okay. Okay. Thank you for listening to Audio Shelf. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have mean girls going on. Yes. Sassy. <laughs> <laughs> love it. That was so perfect. <laughs> Oh, Thanks for right. thank you us. again. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. Oh, this yay. was great. Thank yay. you. Thank you. We're glad that you guys enjoyed it. 
And I'm glad you loved the books. Yay! Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys later on Twitter. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. And we're Goodreads. Hey, Sherry. I'm friends with you on Goodreads. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye. bye. Thank you again so much to Andrea and Sherry. We told you it was amazing. We had so much fun talking so to So much them. fun. Oh, my gosh. They're so friendly, and I love the tour that Andrea gave of her booth. Yes. She gave, and we know that you guys can't see it, but it was an amazing booth that now we want, and we're going to put it on our Christmas list. Yes, exactly. And also on our Christmas list will be Sherry's beautiful cat headphones. Uh, yeah, oh, yes. I need them in my they life. They were adorable. Oh, so, so. I mean, Friendsmas is coming up. Yes, Friendsmas is coming up. So I'll get you the headphones and you can get me the million the dollar studio. Yes. Okay. That, that, sounds, that sounds like a fair trade. Equal. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to follow along with us as we take you on more audiobook adventures and interviews with so many interesting people. You can find us on Twitter at AudioshelfMe and Facebook at AudioShelf. And please go onto our website. And click on the Audible affiliate link so you can get maybe two out of three of the Geek Girl Mysteries mm-hmm. for free. And also, while you're at it, please subscribe to us on iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Mm. Do all three of them because we like you. We like you and we need ratings, y'all. Yes. I mean, we want we want the show to be a success. Don't you? <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> all right. Bye. This has been Audio Shelf, where we release new episodes every Monday. If you want to stay updated, listen to previous episodes, or suggest audiobooks for us to feature, visit us at audioshelf.me. We are Brad and Brittany. Thank you for listening.